What's up to all my sidekicks and henchfolk out there in the Geek Nation? Yes, I am recording on Audacity. Brian, thank you for reminding me. Uh, welcome this morning to uh, to the Cult Pop Podcast live stream, a.k.a. Spoiler Alert, episode 740. 740. Wow. Right? With no um, renumberings, right? No volume No two. renumberings. There's yeah. been multiple reboots, but there's been no yeah. renumbering. So that's still original legacy numbering. <laughs> issue number 740 uh where we talk about uh this past week's comics review them as well as other pop culture tidbits and stuff um you can see we're a little light on staff today uh but we might be getting guests and jumping in and stuff we're we're here for you yeah um i'm your yes, ad hoc host. Our co-host. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> i'm your ad hoc host noel loyal customer and part-time employee of johnny destructors hero complex located on 4327 main street philadelphia pennsylvania located in the neighborhood of Maniunk. Um, <sighs> JD's on a little family vacation, but rest assured, the gang, most of the gang's all here. Mm. Uh, <laughs> uh, starting with the person to my left. My right? You, it's you. your right, my left, my stage left. It's your stage left as perceived my, by the audience. Yeah, my stage left is <laughs> perceived by those that are watching this through the mirror of yeah, yeah. a screen. Look this way. Is uh, Brian? I wrote a, I wrote a little voice thing down here for you. So also joining us this morning is a guy who requires little introduction. Oh, and but yet we've done so one. much already. Let me finish. Let me finish. Uh, oh, I always forget that there's something planned. Yeah, I, <laughs> even though you preambled it with such. Please go on. No, I want to hear it. No, it's going to save it for next week. I'm going to save it for next week. Ooh, um, Brian, yeah. uh, I have a question from the audience what to you. Hmm. What's your favorite color? Hmm. I don't know. I guess blue is what pops into my head, right? I'm a big teal guy, like a dark teal. Favorite color? I love yeah. color. You know what I mean? I love just colors in general. And the ones in the blue areas tend to please I, me the most. I ask these questions, some rudimentary, some like larger, mm-hmm. to try and get you to commit to something. Oh, really? And every and every single week. No, you commit to the, the enormity or the massiveness. You never actually... I sure like, do give something uh, so every single week i'm just going to keep trying to ask you a question it's going to get really <laughs> stupid eventually it's going to be like do you like getting shot in the face yeah i will yeah. so, so the face right uh, i don't see, know <laughs> but i would assume you, that i would it's like that's yeah. like would you like to be in a, uh, what's better to be in a coma or not be in a coma i'm not sure what it's like to be in a coma that's so true. i'm unable to answer that question that's an even so bigger like, question right yeah, yeah. Who I, knows? I hate I hate it, and I hate. I, if you're on like I, a mystical journey, see, I see it like a constellation, right? It's like a constellation <laughs> of things. This world, and and uh, we don't need this to. Is, you know. This is already off the rails because yeah. well, there's no rails. Here. Constellation. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> um, so both of the fathers on the show are uh, either having technical difficulties or on, are off this week. So we just want to say Happy Father's Day to all the people oh, listening, as yeah. well as our, our fathers and co-hosts, Andy Lee. 
my dad. Happy uh, Father's Day. Nino Bartocci, have a good one. I know you will never see this. Yeah. But I tell Maybe other I tell people happy Father's Day for you. <laughs> um, so um, before we get into a letter, because we actually have a letter today. We have a letter? We do. We have a letter. Uh, I want to thank everybody for joining us live on Facebook, YouTube, and Twitch. Um, if you're here joining us, I appreciate it. Please jump into the chat, comment, let us know how we're doing. No, you know what? Don't let us know how we're doing. Just join the conversation. Let us know how you're doing. Like, yeah, let if us know it's related to reading comics. <laughs> Or, or just how you yeah, feel, you know? Yeah, that's it's, cool. It's tough all around. As long as it's a genuine comment, we'd love to hear it. Yeah, but yeah. Uh, other than that, comments, questions, concerns, if you're watching from one of those platforms, like, comment, subscribe, hit the bell notification so you know when we go live, when we go live, uh, as well as posting content, which we're going to start doing soon. Uh, we took a little bit of a hiatus because all of us were moving, we were sick, we were yeah. all kinds of things, now we're back settled. Oh, a lot of people that moved just recently. Yeah, it's of it. kind of in the yeah. air. Right? Yeah. <laughs> and what's uh, your favorite but, color at all? Um, blue, green, blue, right. green. Well, well. <laughs> like a blue I'm green. Not the, I'm not the one that wants to have a, a philosophical conversation off a binary question. So I'm not the one on trial here. All right. No, anyway. I'll, I'll commit to that. I do want, <laughs> I do want that. <laughs> okay. Okay. What's up, um, We've got, we've got oh, the letter. letter. Yeah, got a letter uh, sent to us by Steve Britt. And by the way, these don't have to just be letters. Sometimes, like some of these come through on our, our Facebook Messenger or oh, right. or email. Or, yeah, so just comment or message to us whenever you want. Even in the comments down below of this video, if you have a question or something you want us to talk about, put it in there, and we'll respond. So this comes from Steve Britt. Um, there's two parts to it. I'm going to read the first one and then get your feedback. So. Okay. DC's big three, in my opinion, and I'm sure others, has already been Bruce, Clark, and Diana, which makes sense as to why they were in the Justice League movie. My question, who would you pick as Marvel's big three had they all the rights at the time before starting the MCU? So the question, like, before I get to his answer, I want to get yours. The question being, who are the equivalent cinematically of Wonder Woman, Superman, and Batman in the Marvel Universe? So here's the thing. I, I also have read his email and I agree with a bunch of what he said. So I don't want to just say it now. <laughs> and then you read his thing. And it's no, like, right. that's fine. Yeah, I don't know yeah. if you had anything actually you wanted to add, even if it's just like a tweet um, of what his answer was. I um, So I don't remember word for word. I remember he mentions Wolverine and Spider-Man as being their big two. Right. And if we are talking about popularity and, uh, business wise, marketability, that kind of thing. Definitely. I think those are their big two. Right. Um, I, I don't know that there is a third, we're talking pre MCU Iron Man and Captain America were barely known, you know? Yeah. Like, uh, Iron Man was, well, I mean, Captain America was, Probably much more well known than, than Iron Man. Yeah, true, true. But not not particularly appreciated outside of comic circles, you know, that no, kind of thing. No, no, no. Um, so, I mean, Wonder Woman is a fairly distant third to Superman and Batman as far as just like general knownness. Um, Do you well, think maybe not that distant, but, di- you know. Oh, she Michael. had a TV show, but so did she the did. Flash. But hers was like a legacy TV show. So and she I was think- on the cover of uh, what was the first? Was it like Ms. Magazine? And yeah, like, I, so yeah, what makes what makes this kind of difficult to question is you you it's it's hard to know what informed what whether popularity informed what was actually you know. Mm. 
the popularity in popular culture versus the popularity in comics and what was selling versus what was just visually better. So like Wonder Woman had a show and a lot of people remember the Linda Carter show, but was that other than that slice of time, was that the most popular and it is, is it the most popular third book? And I, and I think she definitely has been like, she's, if we want to gauge it also by who is known outside of people who know comics, it's your parameters. So I think that's that's what I'm trying to say is I think that's why Wonder Woman becomes the other vertly like the other three because it wasn't mm. her comic that was that made her more popular sure. than anything else it was sure. the fact that she was used in popular culture same with batman and superman well i mean you know what superman i think is publishing beyond and mm. then well like, that's what i think i think batman and superman are both like uh these like juggernauts of yeah of like knownness and popularity. And some of that also is probably perception, right? There is the unfortunate perception amongst toy manufacturers and whatever, that things marketed to things like this marketed to girls won't sell. We know that that's why young justice was canceled because it wasn't selling enough toys to girls. Um, and what it could be that wonder woman has just as much of an audience as Superman and Batman and could be the, the like, who you would make a movie out of. It definitely is the the third one and might be just much closer than we think. Um, but as far as Marvel goes, did Marvel have anyone remotely in that realm? Maybe the Hulk, you know, and they did make a movie of the Hulk at well, that what time. About, <laughs> so part of my answer was uh, potentially, what about the Fantastic Four? I would, I mean, personally, I, I, I for my personal pantheon, yes. <laughs> but, well, I, so, uh, so yeah. Steve, Steve Britt, um, had mentioned his his choices were Spider-Man, Cap, and Logan. Hmm. Not just the X-Men, but specifically Logan. Um, and then he kind of created a scenario from the MCU blueprint. So, like, it would start off with just a Spider-Man movie hinted at, at an extra world. Essentially, it sounds like he's replacing Spider-Man for Iron Man, how they kind of hmm. just kicked it off. It's just mm-hmm. a singular and then, you know, big. Which they probably would have done if they had the rights to Spider-Man yeah. at the time. You know? um, yeah. Followed by Cap, and then in Cap's movie his buddy at a campfire in the war. Uh, he doesn't yes. like cap doesn't have a knife to open the rations. And his buddy goes here. I've got, I've got six and sneak end credits. X-Men's the third movie. So you tease it yeah. in the one to the other. Yeah. Um, I don't know if I love that scenario either way. I, I get like what he was doing. Right. Kind yeah, of like sure. breadcrumbs. Right. Yeah. So that was his answer. And I agree with, I agree with Spider-Man. Mm-hmm. Um, but I, yeah, I think I would, Go, yeah, I think I would go Spider-Man, FF, X-Men. Maybe mm. not in that order, mm. but F- because when I think of eras of Marvel, mm. I think of the the Spidey, which is just the, the single vigilante with real-life problems, and that's mm-hmm. kind of the theme of 75% of Marvel comics, right? And sure. he was the first one. And then I think of um, the first family, and then I think of who like, also have their normal family problems. This is like, what I mean. Like so you've got yeah, yeah. you've got the the he's not orphaned, but you've got the kid making right. You've got the mm. family dysfunction, and then you've got the um, societal or cultural analogy, which is the X Men. Mm. And those are almost like the three pillars of themes in Marvel sense. comics, right? Yeah, yeah. It's it's either mm. interpersonal dysfunction. Um, pulling yourself up Ooh. from your bootstraps because you've got nothing or it's 
cultural representation via the X-Men. I've got another pillar of Marvel Comics that the Hulk embodies, but so does the thing. But the thing also embodies. The powers are vast, but you'd rather not have them. You know what I mean? There's always, like, Marvel loves that, like, power with some kind of drawback kind of thing. I, well, I think that's also too, I think that's also part of the, um, the Spider-Man of it all too. The, the, mm. the burden of responsibility, the burden of power. Oh, it's true. never, well, it's, like that it's thing never is like, a, ah, well, yeah, he can't switch off. Yeah. It's never, yeah. it's a gift, but it's not without consequence almost yeah, yeah. across the board. Yeah. Whereas, I mean, I'm not saying Superman's a bad character, but, it's well, DC power. doesn't do that at all. You know, no. DC is not, 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 not at all, but I mean, very rarely. That's not DC's thing. DC's thing is like power archetypes. Yeah, know, it's, it's it, the yeah. benevolence of gods. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it's That's why I like it's DC more. <laughs> relatively impenetrable if you want a grounded perspective. Like they do insert it in yeah. places, but you're never... Yeah. Rounded. You're never going to really relate to Batman or really relate to Superman. Huh? Just in like instances like, <laughs> oh, I've I've had trouble talking to a girl once. But you're still never going to have a shared experience <laughs> with yeah, these characters. I suppose so. And yeah, I guess that is a is a bonus. But, um, <laughs> you know, they, they speak of ideals. You know what I mean? And oh, yeah. No, no, no. Yeah. So here's the. Um, uh, DC is ideals living up to it for mm. the most part, mm. and uh, discussion Marvel, about what those are. Yeah, you know that kind of thing. Marvel is constantly striving to meet an ideal. Yeah, like struggling so, like, through yeah. normal so, life too. So yeah. the DC pantheon is already there, and they're just trying to wrestle with maintaining order like examples. Whereas, you know, yeah. Yeah, yeah, anyway. and obviously both of them have both, you know. Yeah, uh, little pieces here and there, but the yeah. I, well, Marvel not so much. Actually, yeah, I was I was like, well, Captain America, well, but he got trapped in the ice. Silver Surfer, but his whole his whole thing is pretty, pretty rough. Yeah, I mean, that. there's yeah. there's cosmic powers, but there's no. Yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, because he's very noble too. You know what I mean? And Cap is is like spot on morally within the confines of his universe. You know. Mm-hmm. Um, but he also has a drawback. He didn't originally. It was just solid bonuses, you know. Uh, but then he got trapped in the ice for however many years it, it's been. Either way, uh, Steve, yeah. thank you. It was a solid question. Yeah. Obviously, we're both like it. Like everything, it turns into a larger debate about like hmm. the nature of storytelling within the two yeah. <laughs> within the two universes. But whatever. That's why we like. Uh, yeah. Um, so let's talk about the books. Uh, let's do it. Let's get to the first one this week, which is one of enormity. Mm. Planet size enormity. Planet size X-Men number one by Marvel Comics, written by Jerry Duggan, uh, with art by the incomparable Pepe Larraz. Um, Diamond has this to say. Sorry, I should say solicits have this to say because there's more distributors than Diamond now. So solicitations read as follows. (laughs) They came to slay. The Hellfire Gala rages on, but bigger things are afoot a world away. Make no mistake, this is absolutely the most important issue of the month. Hmm. That's it. So, X-Men or just anything? 
Uh, I mean, if we're just believing solicitations, this is the most important okay, issue of anything, yeah. any publication. Or synonyms, like problems that yeah. you may have. This is more important than your issues Like this month. Yeah. yeah, this is more important than therapy. This uh -huh. is more important than... Um, yeah, you know, we're going to stretch that metaphor too much already. Uh, so, Planet Size X-Men. I am only reading... Like, do you currently read anything... X no, issues. I, yeah, like, you know, I was really enjoying a lot of out, it right? when we did our thing. Yeah. Uh, the, the, what was it? 10 of swords thing. Yeah. Cool. That I was off the whole line after that. And I, I liked it, but I never went back to the ones that I really did like. Yeah. So it's starting to feel a little bit too massive. So mm -hmm. I, I've like at issue six of almost everything, I just dropped off all of them, except the ones mm -hmm. that I want to dip in on. Mm -hmm. But I, I kept uh, X-Men which is just the Jonathan Hickman book. And I would read when it came to the turn uh, crossovers, mm. I would only read the X-Men book mm. and the one shots. Mm. So mm -hmm. like, I think in X of swords, they had like three was like the kickoff, a midpoint. And then the finale was its own extra one shot that wasn't in a, a so I, I literally read just like the highlight reel and the X-Men book. And it was mm. fine. Yeah. But uh, but this is something like that. The Hellfire Gala is going on, which is um, it's taking place in every single X book. From what I understand, it's not really. So it really is just like one night. And these are all of the other. These are all the books version of this night. Whereas so it's like 12 of them. But oh, so it's not a continuing story so much as like, no, it's it's more of a, it's more of a Rashomon kind of thing. Yeah, so yeah. it's really just, it's really just like four or five books that have a thread line that take you through the night, but all 12 of them give you just kind of more of a holistic view. So you don't have to read them all. Um, I think, and even in the indicia of each X-Men book, you know, they've got the, 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 uh, books coming out soon mm -hmm. in the back, you know, like X-Men mm -hmm. and X-Force, like number whatever, and then dates. Yeah. Some of them are red and some of them are black. The red ones are kind of like the main plot. Gotcha. So hey, what, this, what is the main, you know, there's a, uh, there's a gala and uh, they all so, have new costumes. Well, not costumes, but evening it's, wear. It's, it's like the Met Gala slash an, an ambassador dinner. Like so what they did was, kind of, yeah, for the first yeah. time they invited humans uh, gotcha. of note onto Krakoa as well as all mutants and it was like a big old gala come with nice. an announcement a, you know a quinceanera a debutante kind of ball of we are now members of this world yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, so that's been happening and in the last issue of X-Men number 21 which is Kickman's final issue uh, it was literally just leading up to a speech that um, Emma was going to give at midnight and that issue ended with her about to give her speech. It was so incredibly weird. Everyone, some people were like leaving, some people were moving. There was a lot of like uh, textless panels of, of mutants looking at each other being like, you ready? Let's go. <laughs> like they're preparing for something and they give you nothing. Was it these mutants? Did it turn out to be the ones that are featured in this? What it turned out to be was uh, what precipitated in this issue, which was essentially like, I think it's out there. Like I read this not knowing anything about what was going to happen. If anything, I was yeah. more peaked yeah. because I was like, what the fuck are they going to do? Like, are we, are, 
are the mutants just going to kill everyone on the island right now? (laughs) Like it was, it was just, it was so like, they, they really did a good job of like driving the tension up to whatever this was going to be. And I should have seen this coming. (laughs) I don't know. You mean because of the title? Because of the title, because of like, (laughs) oh yeah, I got it. Like, it just makes sense on so many levels. However, I still was like, oh shit. Okay. And this was also one of those instances where like they're saying left and right, this is the most important thing. This is going to change continuity. This is a huge shift. And, and it's always just like, roll my eyes. I don't give a shit. Wait, so that was, this actually is a giant shift in continuity. Yeah. (laughs) This is Uh, a big deal. Yeah. And well, before we get into the thing itself, you say the, the lead in issue that you thought ended really weirdly was Hickman's final issue. Yeah. And then he didn't write this. No, that's weird. Well, he's like the um, he's like the big old showrunner for everything. Yeah, sure, sure. So it wouldn't it wasn't like a cold handoff. It was like uh, so Jerry Duggan is going to take over the X-Men book. Oh, uh, okay. number one. Okay. So this is almost like the in between issue that closes that gotcha. and starts this. And so he was Jerry doing Duggan a different X-Book, right? Yeah, um, yeah. He's doing Inferno, but we'll, we'll get into that. Yeah. <laughs> So planetize yeah. X-Men, essentially like the elevator pitch, uh, the X-Men terraform Mars for all of the inhabitants of Araco. Mm. So they have claimed a second planet in our solar system. Uh, yeah, there's a little bit about that, too, that I think we should. Get I, well, later. yeah, the, the yeah. interstitial in the back, the, yeah. Uh, yeah, yeah. the notes, the notes from NASA. They're like right. fascinating, fascinating. It appears to be true. We won't, won't we don't know. Personal note, we're a little bummed and we really would like to visit for scientific purposes. <laughs> like, I, I thought that was so awesome that NASA was just like, this is awesome. <laughs> but but it's also kind of sad because we want to touch Mars, too. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, because it's a sovereign nation now. It belongs to right. So the end. I thought of- it was going to be that the Krakoa was. You know, I thought this was where the mutants were moving, and um, I don't know too much about these other folks. Ara- the Iraqi. Um, yeah, I, I know a little bit about. It. I see Todd Engel uh, has has already developed some feelings about the Iraqi, the Araco. You know. Uh, Todd Ingalls says, this is another book with Hickman doing his grandiose thing. And once he leaves, it all goes away. I can't see Mars populated by a bunch of boring mutants lasting long. Uh, it's going to be like Genosha. Um, yeah. Everyone's going to forget about it, yet they're going to be up there for decades. Yeah. Like nobody was doing anything for, with Genosha for like 15 years before yeah. Grant Morrison nuked it. Yeah, um, see, that's what I was thinking when reading this. I was like, oh. I wonder how long this will be the case. Yeah. <laughs> you know? and oh, it'll be but, for a while until they feel like doing something else with Mars, but you know, who knows? I, the, uh, so at the end of X, uh, 10 of swords, when the inhabitants of Krakoa won, um, the two islands merged, they became one hmm. as, but all of the people in other worlds that are associated with Araco are now inhabitants of the Krakoa Araki thing so early in the early in this issue um and also too according to this that only happened two weeks ago but in this issue captain america brings it up to scott he's like hey dude i'm not here to harsh your vibe i just want you to know the government let me know that they've noticed your land mass has increased by 500 (laughs) percent don't know why kind of creepy and (laughs) there's like Five billion more people. <laughs> so not saying we're going to do anything about it, but 
scaring the shit out of a lot of people. And he's like, hey, don't worry about it. So they, what they essentially did is they terraformed Mars for that all of those access awesome people. too. Like, yeah, was I didn't cool. know what was going to happen. I didn't know what they were doing. And he, it starts out with like Magneto riding these asteroids, getting iron, and they're like using the various mutant abilities to do what they need to do, including I think Hope is able to magnify. Hey, um, I think Hope is able to magnify other mutants powers. So that's part of it. And, you know, that whole mutant technology thing that Hickman's been doing. And I love that idea of, you know, I get why these superpowers don't radically change the world of Marvel comics, because it has to kind of be sort of close to ours. But yeah. if that really existed, like you could have people whose jobs it was to grow plants in, in you know, uh, yeah. so areas, you know, all that was kind of stuff. The, um, and I can't believe if it has happened before, it's nothing that's happened in my lifetime and or that I remember reading. But the idea of the very simple idea of using mutants abilities to enhance or change another mutant's abilities for mm -hmm. a separate result is something that hasn't been done before. Yeah, that is so cool. the idea of you've got one mutant that could do one thing. Well, yeah, but you can also, you could um, supercharge it and make it something else by doing, by adding this other mutant. So it's essentially just like chemistry with mutants. Yeah. And through that chemistry with mutants, they were able to like, oh yeah, we can actually terraform a planet. So we've got this guy who has who's able to create oceans. We've got this person who creates weather. We've got this person who's got extra biomes in their system. We've got this person. And they just like all work together yeah, to yeah. terraform a planet. It was, it's insane. So the book reads, the art is spectacular. The pacing is really fascinating because the book reads as like a how to science project, but yeah. it's done so well. So like you, you, um, it jumps back and forward in time. So you've got the current events, which is them, the process of terraforming the planet, but then they keep kind of switching back to a couple weeks ago, a couple days ago where Magneto was putting his plan in place, um, by getting all of like the mutant that could do this, the mutant that can do that. So he's like the architect of mm. building a planet for, uh, which is all just of the, the kind of thing that Magneto Krakoa. would do, right? Like he yeah. thinks about mutant kind as like moving into the future and what can it be uh so yeah, it makes sense that it would awesome. be him. yeah this is really really cool so i don't know on one part on one hand this is a really really good kind of end cap to this phase of the x-men books because it's it's um taking all of these extra characters and putting them in another planet it's almost just like taking them off the board in an interesting way hmm. but i I don't, I don't, I'm not sure what the status quo is going to actually be now. Are we going to get separate stories on Iraqi? Are we going to get like, well, there is that other element, forth? right? That they brought in the whole like diplomatic thing. Well, that's, I don't, that's, yeah. Are they like planning on doing something with that? One so thing. correct me if I'm wrong. Anybody in the chat that knows this for sure, because I read it only once a while ago, the, the population of Iraqi, all of those people, they're a constantly warring culture. So those like how like Game of Thrones style, those houses are all factions of warriors that are constantly in war. And when the mutants of Krakoa won, they essentially forced a peace or like you ain't fighting no more. So it's all like a very tenuous agreement. That's why they have their own version of the Quiet Council, their own like little circ, their ring. Mm -hmm. um, so what they did was when they terraformed the planet, they built essentially a hub of ambassadors. Uh, of ambassador embassies, yeah. a hub of embassies for 
all of the houses of Iraqi. I think so it's now for, it's planet they Iraqi. Intend, it's like other species will like other alien sure. races will come. Oh, that's for like, the port. Right. So, yeah. Yeah. They, they've got so they, they build the embassies, but then they also build the port because now they and then they also built a a separate sword station. So uh, they have a uh, right, right. sword station, cool. too, and <laughs> then a essentially an intergalactic port. Hmm. So, See. I mean, economically, they're setting themselves up to uh, be the hub of uh, either interdimensional travel and or, you know, goods hmm. and services. They, they also the have galaxy. made this claim that they are the capital of the solar system. Yeah. Which is like, fuck it. Where's Why that not? coming from? You know, like, oh, the most people well, are on this other planet. And that's where, you know, like we just got here from another dimension, but we're on this other planet now and we are the capital of the solar system. Like every other land grab, you just claim it until someone tells you you can't. Mm. And then you think fight that over that it. could set up some... You know, some you conflict think? Yeah. with the governments of the of the planet Earth. Of yeah, other, yeah, yeah. well, I mean, the governments of planet Earth, sure, but they can't do anything about it. It's more interesting uh, to me of like the other civilizations, right? So, what do the Kree think about that? What do the Skrull think about that? What do the well, I think um, there are Daxamite or not Daxamite. That's, that's uh, yeah, that's DC. That's DC. Yeah. What's the JSON? Doesn't matter. Spartans. All that stuff. I see. I would think maybe the other, like the superheroes of Earth, would be like, well, you know, exist in peace, but you are not the capital of the solar system. We are two but, different societies living here. But who know. tells them no? No, nothing yeah. on Earth currently, including all of the heroes in the Marvel universe, hmm. have the power to stop them. Well, and I think it's also really might right, right? I mean, I think the mutants are on board with. You know, because I think Magneto was like, we need to claim Saul um, as our as ours, which also uh, yeah. kind of, you know, they are the future of the human race. It never it never made sense to me that the humans were like, oh, they're a different species. Like, they're obviously not a different species. They are like, we're all going to get well, there. I mean, that would be awesome. That's that's the whole that's the whole conflict of othering. Right. Yeah. Yeah, like you, you, you subjugate what you don't understand or that you uh, um, are afraid of. Indeed. Well, and also plus when they were introduced, it was not as though they were the future of the human race as much as just an offshoot. I mean, it's in, it's homo superior. It's in the name. Right. But, right. <laughs> um, I, I think uh, I'm, whether you're reading X Men or not, this is really fascinating issue, yeah. and it was it was a really fun read. I'm 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 glad that I uh, I picked it up. Yeah, I agree. I I am glad that I picked it up as well. So we took a planet-sized amount of time talking about that. So let's switch That's on to the next stuff. book, which is which I think both of us were most um, excited about this week, which is Supergirl mm-hmm. of Tomorrow, number one, uh, by DC Comics, uh, written by Tom King, with art by Bilkis Evely. Uh, solicitations are as follows: Kara Zor-El has seen some epic adventures over the years, but finds her life without meaning or purpose. Here she is, a young woman who saw her planet destroyed and was sent to Earth to protect a baby cousin who ended up not needing her. What was it all for? Whenever whenever she goes, people only see her through the lens of Superman's fame. Just when Supergirl thinks she had enough, 
everything changes. An alien girl seeks her out for a vicious mission. Her world has been destroyed and the bad guys responsible are still out there. She wants revenge and if Supergirl doesn't help her, she'll do it herself, whatever the cost. Now, a Kryptonian, a dog, and an angry, heartbroken child head out into space on a journey that will shake them to the very core. What did you think about this, Prime? Um, I liked it. Real quick about that solicit. If she doesn't want to be seen through the lens of Superman's fame, she does not have to wear her family crest to do her superhero stuff. Just have a different let's talk about the Let's talk about the story. <laughs> anyway, I liked it. I like the I like the superhero in the sword and sorcery kind of uh, trope where they get, you know, like I never read it because it was before my time, but I was like references to the Sword of the Atom where Ray Palmer, you know, he finds this whole thing downstairs. Uh, downstairs, <laughs> down in the, in the micro yeah, yeah, down there. Yeah, yeah. And it's um, always down, so that's cool. <laughs> right. Um. So, uh, yeah, I I liked it. It was it was an interesting choice to make her definitively twenty one, which it makes calling her a super girl a little less reasonable. You know at, at I get why, because it's one syllable, and that's already what she's called. Um, let's see. Uh, it seems incredibly irresponsible of her to go to this barbarian world with a red sun in order to get a drink. Like, there's no other way for you to for you to accomplish this. Is some I don't know scientifically advanced planet I, with a red sun. I, I loved that actually. Yeah. Um, so <laughs> if she's if she's constantly kind of so the the premise is that. Uh, Supergirl is not the main character of this story, at least this issue. Um, the, but the premise is that she kind of gets inserted into the story because on her 21st birthday, all she wanted to do was get a buzz on. And she can't do that um, unless there's unless she's depowered to some degree. So she goes to a planet with a red sun and gets drunk. So she has her first hangover, her first drink. Uh, and she's just kind of like, it's like... Um, uh, the ennui of your early late teens, early twenties. Like, what am I doing with my life? Which was pretty relatable. I thought it was kind of funny. Sure. Um, and she's inserted into this kind of like young girl's mission. The book starts with this young girl witnessing her father get killed by us by another clan, uh, another barbarian clan. And I wouldn't call these barbarians. It's more it's more advanced than that. Um, hmm. um, it's just it's more just like rural. Uh, technology-free communities, right? You know, so like farmers uh, and warriors, yeah. but yeah. not swords caves. and that kind of stuff. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Kate, it's more sword and sorcery than it yeah. is cavemen and rocks. Huh. Do you know right? barbarian is um, from the Greeks when they would talk about the people who weren't Greek? They were like, oh, they always talk like bar 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 bar, and that's where the word yeah. barbarian. Comes yeah, from. this is way <laughs> more advanced <laughs> yeah. than that. It's more. It's more. Uh, uh, it's more sandals and sword, swords and sandals epic. Uh, which was just really interesting genre to kind of insert yeah. Supergirl into. So, I mean, it, I also, the bit of like DC, just like DC minutia nitpicking, uh, maybe a, an orange sun would have been better, right? Like oh, traditionally they lose their powers completely when they're under a red sun, like pretty immediately, you know? But she's still she's like grabbing swords and stuff. She's got she's got um so she's only been there a day. Yeah. I, it is it's it's fudgy how 
much so like every time that we usually see like a manufactured red sun and blah 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 so yeah. it's just like a ray or a beam or a concentrated mm-hmm. so she's been there a day she's able to get a buzz on um and then when she's in action she gets hit with an arrow or two it breaks her skin but it doesn't really take her down yeah. and she's able to catch a sword cuts her up but she's able to but she stops it right know. right yeah so you know i actually has like a diminishing returns you, you know what you're right they so in the silver age like many things when he showed up on a on a sun you know planet with a red sun it was like boom no powers um but they have there was that one of those future state books where he is in the future goes down to lexor and he's like i've got a few minutes of power so they have been doing you know yeah it's it's kind of like a it's a it's a sliding scale and it was also it was also very effective in the story because mm-hmm. it's not sure because also isn't there isn't there kind of a thing to you where she's either gonna be or is potentially more powerful than cal they say that sometimes they go you know i think that's one of those comics things of one-upping like whoa pick up this issue of supergirl it turns out she's and then superman later is like well you're not more powerful i just have more control and then some other later writer is like no they are more powerful so yeah either way it's it's like this weird sliding scale where in the stakes of the story we know she's under a red sun and has been for a little bit of time she's vulnerable enough for her insides to get drunk Cool for her insides to absorb alcohol, and then when she gets struck by an arrow, uh, right. very shockingly, it's like, mm-hmm. oh shit, is she gonna? Is is this is this over? But then she's she kind of rallies, so it's it's more of a diminishing returns as it is a yeah. light switch, which kind of makes um, more sense to us now. I think we have. I think it's a good thing. There's a little more science uh, <laughs> in our culture in some ways, and the idea also, of it like pushing out the red sun energy, you know. She was there for mostly nighttime because she was ah, getting true. tipsy in the evening and then was about yeah, to leave in the that's morning. That's a good point. That's a good point. Um, anyway, now, anyway. And put her costume not invulnerable anymore. Uh, uh, what did you think of the, the art, the story? The, book, uh, the art was great. I really like this kind of art for a sword and sorcery kind of story. Yeah. The design of the sword is cool, which as longtime listeners will know is something I appreciate. Um, and uh, yeah, very cool. Um, I think all of the main characters that we see here will be in further issues. There's one that it was like, wait a second, did you just kill that? Did you just kill that character, Tom? Yeah, there's a, just now. But I don't think yeah, so. I, I, and it's this is not Black Label. I don't know if this like this could be in continuity. I, I actually, I think it is. This is one of those like, so. and it's. I think it's only supposed to be eight issues or nine issues, but um, it's a limited series. Yeah, it's very explicitly kind of like on the side. So I really do think that this is going to be something that's in continuity, but will not touch anything else. And yeah, like she'll have this adventure, she'll finish yeah. it, and she'll go back to Earth. This is what happened yeah, on yeah, a, yeah. a, a two-week vacation yeah, yeah. that she took, and that's it. But Now, they do love... hint at her in the very beginning that she killed this guy, right? Yeah. But she goes out of her way to say, like, no, we don't, we do, don't do that kind of thing. So, But that's the perspective you know, of the young girl. Is, I hope that no, uh, no, no, she that's maintains the pers- her... You know, that's the perspective of the young girl. So our narrator is this young girl who wants revenge for her father. This is this book. The first two pages, I was annoyed uh, because this this does that Tom King thing where (laughs) he is an orator 
talking to you about the story as opposed to just telling you the story. He does right. this a lot where With it's like just silent like panels that are tons and like, tons of yeah, text, yeah. Uh, text boxes and silent panels telling you a story. And then like, you know, a lot of times you he'll juxtapose what's on the screen with what the, the narrator saying as if, you know, like, you know, singing a beautiful song, but showing something uh, horrific. Right, right. Yeah. So he does that a lot. He did that a lot in Batman. He did that tons in Heroes in Crisis. So the, when I the, was reading the first two pages, I was just like, shit. Yeah. Is this going to be like, <laughs> are characters going to talk to each other? Is this going to, or is it just going to always be like, tell, yeah. like, orated to me as opposed to like experiencing the story? But then for this explicitly, it really mm-hmm. worked because now we have a, we have an unreliable narrator because it's like an eight year old girl. Mm. And oh, you thought like eight year? I was thinking like teen. Um, like, no, 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 no. She's uh. she's pubescent. She's uh. like. 11 or 12 at the l- oldest right, right. at the absolute oldest she's this is a little girl so um, the yeah she is unreliable and she may be lying too you know for yeah, to, yeah. To so you know, it, who knows yeah it added as opposed to added uh, a layer of separation which sometimes mm-hmm. it does it like it you know it keeps mm-hmm. me at arm's length it actually added a layer of intrigue instead mm-hmm. so i was like oh cool this was I, this was great yeah, I yeah. I'm I looking forward to the next thing. And I also, I think this is part of DC's new publishing strategy where they have miniseries that are easily collectible into trades is probably part of it. But also, like, I'm all right with that. You know, you get like a Mr. Miracle miniseries or this kind of thing miniseries hmm. and maybe more the like British model of TV where we have this story and yeah. we'll tell it, you know, that kind of thing. Yeah. Also, I, the hook I, at the end. Oh, yeah. Yeah, yeah. Oh, no, no, I'm agreeing with you. It's, it's like the, the Hellboy model. You know, like multiple mini series that that like connect to each other, but not really. You could always keep jumping on. Yeah, but see, yeah. even that becomes unruly. So it's I, I don't know. I like, think it's also more of a character thing. Positive, you know, they're like it's got positives and minuses. Yeah, yeah, of course. Um, but like, whereas they might not start a Mister Miracle ongoing, mm-hmm. we'll get a mini. And I mean, not that mini series haven't been around before, but I think they're just a little more they're doing it looks like they're focusing a little more exponentially on more miniseries right. than they are ongoing series which i like a lot better than if if they see which one works and they stick with miniseries over backups that are things yeah, that I, i'm not interested in uh, i, I, I want I, I want to get yeah. rid of the backups i hate yeah. the backups i'm uh, glad that this was one issue yeah. uh oh and but, the, um, the hook at the end too of this particular issue was like oh what an interesting way to set this story in motion why it yeah. continues past this first also issue. think about it that barbarian or sorry that like warrior mm. um grew up underneath the red sun uh, get him somewhere else could be and he could you never know potentially a lot more fun uh yeah that's true there was yeah. an old uh uh dc annual legends of a dead earth do you remember that one in the 90s nope. it was cool they all showed like so far in the future that the earth had been long gone and one of the other ones was like i think luther had been in an AI and he was identifying other planets that would be able to process yellow sun radiation like that. And if memory serves, destroying them. And then one of them was the one who survives and he's like the Superman of that time. Um, uh, cool. Yeah, this was cool. Um, this is uh, uh, JD and I, it's not really a theory so much as like a proven rule. Now Tom King is perfect in a sandbox. So when he's got uh, yeah. a explicit <laughs> amount of issues or a very structured story, yeah, yeah. it's like gold. 
But when you give him when you give him just like a full run, there's going to be a lot of white noise. What has that? I only know of Batman that he's been like the regular ongoing writer or whatever it was, Detective. I mean, I, I it was mainly it was mainly Batman. Was it? Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Like also too with um, uh, Heroes in Crisis, which because that like uh, everything yeah. that that is like in grander continuity or or ongoing uh, with with no like leash. It's mm-hmm. just you get extra issues of mm. garbage or, yeah. or like diversions or let's yeah, yeah. let's uh, let's drop a cliffhanger and then let's not approach it for six months. Yeah, right. Stuff like that. Yeah, Whereas yeah. when he's got a very explicit like 12, 10 to 12 issues where he wants to tell a focused story, mm-hmm. it's some of the best stuff. It's some of the absolute best stuff. Yeah, Batman Catwoman is good. Batman Catwoman's great. Um, uh, I know you're not liking Strange Adventures, or at least you weren't, but that is. I would I would review the last one just to see how much I will dislike it. But have I, you been Have you been up to date? Have you been reading oh, it? No, I dropped it a long time ago. And oh man, I just don't like what he is doing with the character. I know, you know I, I mean? know, I know. Yeah, but but it's it's the tenth issue kind of revealed his motivation if uh, the things that are happening are true, and it's one of those moral quandaries where you're like, I mean, sure, I might I mean, do some shitty shit for that too. Yeah. Wait, you do? Anyway. Yeah. Oh, you know what? I'm sure. Yeah, sure. But once Rorsch- it all comes out, I'd be interested to hear what you think about uh, the the whole story. You know, I don't. I don't mind uh, uh, dirtying up people as long as or dirtying up characters as long as as it's right people um, you do have a problem with <laughs> yeah right um story if the story dictates that kind of change uh and it's if the story dictates that kind of change if it's fully examined and if you understand why at the end of it i'm cool with it no there's no there's no one is sacred i don't like i don't care there, there are good. times I, when no I'm one's sure. Yeah, yeah. Um, but if you just do it for shock value or a turn right. or a twist just to be right. edgy, then you're not a good storyteller. You're just you're just trying to, you know, get clicks. And that's when I agree yeah. with you. That's like you're just dirtying this person up to dirtying. Like, it doesn't make sense. And, I, you know, I think Tom King believes that he is writing good stories. I don't think he's doing it for shock value. But it's come I, to be for me with him specifically. It's like. This is like every time, man. <laughs> this is like what you do every time. I mean, but Mr. But, he didn't he didn't ruin Scott Free. Mr. You know, Miracle? I didn't finish that one. And I that was before I you knew who he was and I liked it and I just didn't stick with it. I really enjoyed it though. Uh, um, and and the vision was Do hmm. you finish the vision, right? Well, yeah, we read it for the show. Oh, that's right. Yeah. Um there was there were some like really fascinating um, reasons as to why things got out of hand. Mm-hmm. Oh, there so, were. Like, you it, know, it didn't, it didn't yeah. bother me. I don't know. Yeah, and I and there have been stories in the past where I like that. I think I'm just in a like milieu of my reading that I'm just not interested in that kind it's, of thing right now. It's because he's fucking with your DC, isn't it? Mm. No, I, actually, the one I was thinking of was Identity Crisis. Oh man, I oh, thought it was, was so just... interesting when they did that back in the day. You know, I, and now I look back and I'm like, eh. <laughs> uh, "Heroes in Crisis." You mean I? No, that... no, I mean Identity Crisis 
from from like way back in the day. Where oh, it turned I out, mean that has nothing to do with Tom King, but yeah, we're talking about it's just thematically. Yeah, 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 yeah. I mean, like that's what I mean is like there was a time when I thought that that was very interesting, and just like at the moment right now, for you know, uh, I'm just like not interested in reading that kind of tale. Um, that's fair. So yeah. Well, um, but this was really good. <laughs> <laughs> Next book. Yeah. Uh, what we got? Static Ooh. season one, number Ooh. one. By DC Comics, written by Vita Ayala with art by Criss Cross. Bullied nerd Virgil Hawkins wasn't the kind of kid you'd normally find on the streets at a protest. But like everyone else in the city of Dakota, he was fed up. Unfortunately, the first time he stood up to raise his voice, the world turned upside down. The experimental tear gas released that day left some of his classmates maimed or dead. But it left Virgil and others with stunning new abilities. Virgil has power inside him now, real power. The ability to channel and manipulate electromagnetic fields but there's anger burning inside him too. What is he supposed to do about all this? And first and foremost, what is he supposed to do about his bullies now that they've got superpowers too? Mm. So mm. I want to caveat all of this with, I have never watched the show, the cartoon oh, really? Static Shock. Oh. I have literally no relationship with this character oh. other than being tangentially aware of it mm. and of Milestone. Mm. But no, I've never read, I've never watched the cartoon. Really? It's, oh, man, that there's was a no cartoon. I have no member berries associated with this. Yeah, type. Yeah. Oh, and then they um, that was one of the early ones where they started like like the Justice League showed up in static and it was like, oh, shit. <laughs> like he showed up as an older guy. It was awesome. Uh, cool. Oh, yeah, that, that's right. I, you know, I, I do remember that. I remember mm-hmm. in Justice League Unlimited, there was like a future. Where you saw like the Batman yeah. Beyond era. Old again, static. Yeah, yeah, static. Yeah, 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 yeah. Oh, those are good. And then they had <laughs> so you the said, same you guy that was Green Lantern. Before we get into that. Yes, I, I have nothing to get into. I've never watched the oh, show. I want to talk about that's the comic. Point. Um, well, what real, real quick, Phil Amar, who I'm a big fan of, like mm-hmm. I like to follow his career. He does Static and John Stewart, and they sound like two different age people. But then <laughs> John Stewart had to meet older Static, and he had already, I think, done a voice of older Static, and it was like, you know, he was doing like kind of. I, I imagine it was a difficult thing to do, like to make static sound maybe a little more grizzled or whatever. No, uh, what I was, I just really quick wanted to address Todd Engel's comment about how identity mm-hmm. crisis was totally misogynist with the female villain and woman in the fridge. I agree with that. I was disappointed by the ending. I thought it was going to be like a superhero murder mystery and it turned out not to be that interesting. And when I look back and, and this is why I wanted to bring it up, the, the Sue Dibney stuff. Yeah. I, I didn't like it all, you know, um, and and was more upset that she was gone and the stuff that they did with her in that story i thought that's one of the reasons i look back and i'm like eh, that's not that great the the cool part was kind of treating it realistically but even that you know oh wait i i i got the wrong no that was uh, it. I, I, this is what ty dingle said um i'd like to agree with dirtying up characters but hated when uh bendis, when the, no i think it's supposed to be when bendis did it to wanda. oh did it to wanda yeah thought it was misogynist identity crisis was totally misogynist with female villain and woman in fridge um i i don't know i have to reread it um it's been a long time since i've read it uh, reread identity crisis it's out of print right now but i i have it um it was a murder mystery misogynist how because the killer well, was a woman uh, the part or, that i think of is more of just like you know doing to this character would so what I thought was cool about it back then was that they were treating these characters in a realistic way, a more serious yeah. tone. And, but also, you know, Sue Dibney, 
you know, was uh, was assaulted, was assaulted. by Doctor Light, Dr. and yeah. you know, it's. So, I think that's what what Todd Engel is referencing. But, but again, like I don't, I'm not exactly sure. I, I understand. It's Masa- the characters. So. Uh, for those of you who have never read it, Sue Dibney was uh, sexually assaulted by a C-list villain, Dr. Light. Um, there were a couple of other members of the Justice League who, to protect Sue and the integrity of the Justice League or something. Yeah, because he knew their raised. identities and they oh, like, yeah. lobotomized right. Dr. Light. Right. Yeah, they lobotomized Dr. Light, but then right. they also made everyone forget. I think Zatanna was, right? That, made everyone, they made Batman forget, specifically. Yeah, like he they made everyone out. forget yeah. that this happened. Yeah. And that and that event ended up being kind of the the catalyst as to the murder that occurred and who yeah. killed her. And See, stuff. that's what I thought was pretty cool about that story was yeah. like, they did but, this thing, they lobotomized him, and then it turned, uh, you know, that. Again, yeah. still how, I'm not exactly sure how it's essentially misogynist. It's the characters make a misogynistic choice, hmm. but is the story misogynist? And also oh, too, like, so. to, to that end, it was the real you understood why they wanted to erase the memories, especially the identity part. Uh, mm-hmm. He knew everybody's identities and he was going after right, right. Um, people's families and loved ones. And they were, they refused to kill him. So erase right. the memories, but the, the real, the real emotional fallout for the rest of the characters towards the end of the story was you hit it from your team members. Right. Which was wild. Um, and yes, Sue is a woman in the refrigerator victim. Which as a pattern is is an issue, is a problematic thing in in like storytelling as a whole. I don't think any single thing is inherently like morally flawed because after having identified that, we look back and they found that, yes, a woman was the catalyst for this story. It's it's a murder mystery and she was who she was who was murdered. Right. Right. Yeah, she was. Yeah. Um because uh, uh, what's her name? Ray Palmer's ex-wife was trying to. Yeah. It was an accident, but she yeah. was trying to like scare them so that Ray would come and protect her. And yeah. So uh, with with fridging, this is like a Pretty really fine point. Test. <laughs> it's like a really fine point, and people might disagree with me. It's more along the lines of so when you fridge when you fridge a character when you when you fridge a woman, um, it's overly misogynist when it's done to motivate your antagonist, your male antagonist mm-hmm. to go mm-hmm. like seek revenge or seek justice. Pro-tech. This was a, this protect Sorry. Yeah. This is a kit. This was like a, a murder mystery case that mobilized the entire DC universe. Mm-hmm. So is it explicitly fridging for the purposes to, you know, one up your male character mm-hmm. or is it a tragedy? Yeah. I, um, like, yeah, I, I don't, I don't yeah. know, to be honest with you. Yeah. Um, yeah. Okay. Yeah. So that's there is that. Todd Engel says, "Secondly, <laughs> yeah. is a killer because she's a jealous woman." Yeah. Very true. To so get that, a man that, is why this yeah. happened. That yeah. was that I would consider more uh, of a misogynistic yeah. plot point than the tragedy of of Sue accidentally being murdered. Yeah. But anyway, Identity Crisis seemed interesting at the time. It is a comic from about twenty years ago that I haven't thought of in quite a while. Uh, we should we should read yeah. it for the show just because these are really interesting conversations mm-hmm. to have uh, with with the audience because it's on one hand it is a seminal story that was very very groundbreaking for its time on the other hand 
does it age well at all? Is it, is it intensely, <laughs> yeah. is it intensely problematic? But does that mean it still has its kind of status? Like, it'd be interesting to read, like, with a modern lens. Because Brad Meltzer's no slouch. Like, no. Although, he's an excellent writer. I haven't seen him recently. Well, he, I in mean, the world he's of comics. Yeah, no, right, he hasn't right. really written comics in a bit. Yeah. But anyway, Static Shock. Static Shock. Shock. All right, listen. Yeah. I'm, I'm going to go through this very fast because, again, this is my first kind of, other than the milestone issue, number one, this mm-hmm. is my first foray into him. Um, it's a very clunky comic book. The first half is incredibly clunky. And when you don't know who these people are, that's a problem. However, from the dinner table scene on, the whole second half of the issue is fantastic. So the, you have to look up the slang in the beginning. <laughs> I did. <laughs> no. No, it, it was, was more like it was more like um there's a shit ton of character and narrative shorthand. Oh um, yeah. Which I get because this is a established character and most like everybody most people that are picking this up know who the hell he is and what right. he can do and blah blah. And he blah. has recently like, been fairly heavily featured in Teen yeah. Titans and that kind of thing. So they so, are yeah. they are very quickly plowing through um some some groundwork. <laughs> but even so, it's done very clunkily hmm. to to me. Like it was just it was like vignettes of scenes and you just fill in the gaps as opposed to paraphrasing it or 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 you know uh condensing it for you uh very well however like i said when you kind of get over that that first 10 pages the the story really picks up and it's very entertaining so i would say like if you know nothing about this character this is still a good issue but plow through that that first chunk just get through it um what did you think I enjoyed it. So I, you know, as we said, I did watch the show. I read some milestone back in the day, like when they first came out, but that was in an era where I'd be real choosy about, you know, what comics I could get, or if I even happened to see them on the shelf or, you know, it it was, I was like nine or 10. So I have a little bit of knowledge from that, but most of it comes from the animated series. Some of this is definitely influenced by that. Uh, Just in case you're curious, his friends, I don't believe were in the original comic the richie the guy with the blonde hair and uh the girl that he's interested in and their other friend i think are like the gang from the series which is cool because that was a really cool show um so like i said i did have to look up the slang i mean i got it from context clues but uh, you know that's always interesting learn something new um so yeah i thought it was it was good it's interesting they seem to be going a route with him that his powers are a little bit of a problem, you know, like, like uh, we had mentioned before that he's, you know, it's like a little uncomfortable sometimes to have these powers and his dad has been training him. Oh, also his mom is alive, which was not the case in the, in the show. Right. Yeah. Look, you can, yeah. you can stop with references to the show. I have absolutely no idea. Uh, like, well, I'm not just telling you. No, no, no. I know in general, like it's, it's, it shouldn't be a one for one. It's more like, did this work without the knowledge and does it work with the knowledge? Well, no, it's just an interesting, like that was a big part of his characterization in the show. His mom had died like years ago and it was, you know, um, a big part of who his, like it was, came up a lot in the show. Um, and, and that is not the case. So much so that when the, the thing happens at the end, um, I, I was like, oh, no, is this happening in, in the story? Not years ago. Um, but anyway, uh, yeah, the issue See, with like, him. Yeah, I, I will say, like, now I think they probably will kill his mom. And I wouldn't have thought that without yeah. 
you telling maybe me not though because they're gonna might not have been in the they're original gonna, series you know they're gonna kill a parent uh, <laughs> could be the dad they're gonna kill a parent now now i'm convinced it's gonna probably happen and it's gonna be a twist uh, but not for you man, not anymore no no thanks for that yeah no problem i didn't think about that as a <laughs> spoiler from another continuity <laughs> um, it it's all just fodder of that show yeah it's all just fodder like they'll yeah. they'll reuse all of this stuff yeah. they'll just kind of like take a small twist on it like they did with every other thing oh, well it's property. interesting too that his dad is uh has been teaching in martial arts for a long time and i think that there will be the him trying to reconcile um or not reconcile but him trying to use uh that kind of training and the and the meditative aspects of that training to handle his powers um you know the the more problematic aspects of his powers where yeah, they, no, like, that, that, his head. that would be awesome that would be yeah. that would be very fascinating and awesome. like i i yeah. like i really really like and one of one of the things that i usually bristle at whether it's in cartoons or or tv and stuff is when some like that pilot episode or that first issue when someone is immediately a master of their new abilities. <laughs> yeah. So I, I really, really like the idea of this is, this was put upon him. This is a, this is scary as shit. This is a tragedy. Um, and the work necessary to kind of get a hold of it, let alone use it efficiently. Yeah. And that was also one of my, that's also like one of my favorite kind of tropes in X-Men comics. Like when a new mutant emerges, like that's a, it's a fucking, terror like that is a scary yeah. ass thing yeah, it's yeah. not just like, like I can fly now. My eyes. yeah yeah like <laughs> i can fly now it's great like no no no. you're floating in the air with no ability to to get down or know yeah. how to control yeah, it yeah. like that's a scary ass thing and i like that this comic really like mm. taps into that towards the middle yeah. section I, I thought it was interesting how they got their powers um that seems like a little too far, even for a crazy evil corporation. Like, oh, we'll just use this untested gas on these protesters. Like, they ran no tests, apparently. They just created this gas, and they're like, let's fire it at these people. I mean, <laughs> you, gotta, you gotta get those Antifa warriors. Right. And that, so that's obviously why they did it. And, and yeah. I don't object to it. It's a little bit of a clunky mechanism adapting. It's what, it's crazy on the nose, but it works. Right. Yeah. Um, yeah. Like it's, it's hard to believe that even a uh, police force or a corporate complex um, as bad as what they will be talking about would use like gas that they weren't aware melts people's flesh off. Yeah. That was, that <laughs> you was, know? that was a little real, like, <laughs> right. Yeah. Like they like to at least appear to be good, you know. Um, in the original, there was this like gang thing, or the cartoon. There was this like gang thing, and they were at Alba Industries, and the gas exploded, and that's how they all got powers. Hmm. And I could have done with that. Like they were stopping a protest, and something happened. I like. I, I like. I like the idea that. Um, I, I can't think of I can't think of uh, and this is probably my final thought on the issue. I can't think of where it's happened before because I know it's happened before. But I like the idea of this kind of selective process, and then those that survived it, what they choose to do with it. So like this selective mm -hmm. process of everyone's exposed to this nastiness, it kills some, it maims some, but then a small percentage, it you know, um, mm -hmm. 
adjusts or readjusts your DNA for you to be able to do something or, yeah. or an ability. Yeah, yeah. I like the idea of the complete lottery or uncertainty of that. Whereas, I mean, of everyone that survived it and now has an ability, I'm sure a lot of them, if not most of them, don't have the moral fortitude or the, the life experiences of yeah. uh, Virgil. I think you're probably right about that. Which, which is, which is like <laughs> yeah. a really fascinating, like, you know, like the, the, it's um, potentially in the story, it's a very, very good kind of analogy or, or, or vector with which to talk about um, class inequality and, and luck and um, uh, yeah, uh, just, just kind of like one for one actual mm. real life kind of um inequality and Frida was even at the protest and was yeah. not exposed like another yeah. level of yeah 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 like what makes her so I, I just there's a lot of really interesting interpersonal things that they've mm. put on the stage that could be really really cool to explore I just I mean I hope this comic does um I hope it's very different from the comic and all the or from the cartoon and all of the obvious ways and feels modern in all of the, the good ways as opposed to just the slangy ways. <laughs> this is cool. Yeah. Yeah. I'm um, interested to see what happens. I bet you are. Oh, I am. Uh, for those it. of you, uh, before we move away from this, for those of you that are interested in the uh, Milestone universe, they are coming out with a compendium of all of the original series. So oh, it's yeah. Like this, oh, cool. this big... 1300 page book of the first 12 issues of every single milestone book so it's like once 12 of hardware once 12 of icon zero to 11 of zombie um zero zero issue of zombie yeah zero yeah. to 11 of static uh yeah. and something else like it's it's a lot of comics yeah. if you were interested in like the original versions of these oh, stories cool. yeah i think it's coming out in like october oh. but be sure also, to let your 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 retailer know um, especially if that re retailer is at 4327 Main Street, JD0. Right. Um, also, uh, there's, um, you know, on a sadder note, um, in the back, John Paul Leon passed away, and apparently yeah. that is, he was the third, I didn't realize this, was the third of the three creators who created Sonic, and unfortunately the other two have passed away as well. Um, yeah. So, just, uh, you know, to give some compassion to yeah and, and speaking uh, of yeah. um i mean like to to tie it back to uh tom king a little bit too like uh john parleone's last known comic or last job uh is a batman catwoman one shot holiday special oh. uh that he did like it's it's gonna be like an it was supposed to be like an in-between issue between one and six and seven and twelve of oh. the batman catwoman book but they've delete it to December to actually come out in the holiday. So oh, that's cool. it's unknown if he was able to finish it, mm -hmm. if it's mostly him who's mm. the, like, but yeah, his last printed kind of DC work is, is coming out later this year. Mm. But anyway, um, let's quickly talk about Venom number 200. Okay. Um, and I say quickly because it's a massive book. Was um, I was expecting it to be multiple stories, but it was not. It was no, all one no, story. It's, yeah. it's 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 the finale of this run, so it's yeah. like one large story. Oh, people are banging on the door, but we're not Sorry. open yet, so mm, let them bang. with that. Um, 
So yeah, Venom number 200 by Marvel Comics, written by Donny Cates and Philip Kennedy Johnson. Philip Kennedy Johnson just co-wrote like 10 pages in the middle of this. It was, but you know, 80 of the 90 pages is Donny Cates. Um, with art by Ryan Stegman, Kev Walker, Chris Giarusso, Ron Lim, Mark Bagley, and others. Uh, this is a, it's not really a jam issue because uh, that kind of implies that a different artist every two or three pages. It's really kind of like two comic books chunked onto each other uh, with a couple of like little fill-ins in between the two chunks. So Ryan Stegman is like the main artist that deals with the first story and the second story. Uh, so solicitations are as follows. This is it, Venomaniacs. The landmark 200th issue starring the most sinister symbiote in the Marvel Universe arrives. And after this, all caps, nothing will be the same. From Donny Cates, Ryan Stegman, and a who's who of artists from the issues that, that tore Eddie Brock's life asunder and brought the King in Black to Earth comes the first chapter of the rest of Venom's life. But in Null's wake, what even remains of the lethal protector? So this book is an awesome ending to... Donny Cates run. If you have been reading it, this is you're you're gonna read this and it's great. Um, if you haven't been, this is kind of like a to me, this is a really, really good kind of microcosm or example of how to end a run. Hmm. You've you tie up a bunch of loose ends, but you leave two or three really interesting dangling things for another hmm. writer to to jump on if they want to. Hmm. So you got that sense of of closure but without it being an explicitly closed door, mm. which I really, really like, especially when you're talking about perpetual second act comic books. Uh, at this point, I could walk away from Venom without feeling like I was cheated, or I could see if they do anything with Dylan Brock, or mm. you've got this new status quo Eddie, and it's relatively fascinating. So like, I, I, I think this just, you know, before even talking about the content of the book, this is a really good example of how to end a end a end a run without screwing the next guy or cheating your audience. I thought this was pretty cool, just structurally. Yeah. As far as the story goes, I mean, it was rad. It's cool. Uh, at the end of King and Black, um, Eddie Brock was kind of became the de facto king of all symbiotes, so he essentially is the hub of this network of symbiotes where he sees all things and hears all things and experiences all things at all times when he's jacked in. Hmm. The problem with that is that kind of network, that hive system was meant for not humans. So I I thought Noel was just like a regular guy before he got the symbiote. Well, he was a regular guy five hundred thousand oh, years ago before so, the symbiote network really grew yeah and all so yeah, so closer to closer to like uh sentient beings with you know to like closer in lineage to the celestials so no uh, matter what right, right. tons stronger and more capable right uh, okay. whereas it's all been diluted and now we're essentially just bacteria on the earth <laughs> okay but, but we're getting our powers back all the <laughs> all the powers are coming back uh, but yeah, the the idea that it's it's physically aging Eddie, so he is he's like old man Brock, um, mm, yeah, which which is really fascinating, and he has to rely more um, physically on the symbiotes. And what's really cool too is um, he is a part; he's the master of this hive mind, 
but the one symbiote that he can't control that has autonomy is his original one and that because it was kicked time. out right that's why yeah so during right. during king and black it was it was kicked out of the hive um so he's got this best friend co-parent yeah that is a symbiote which yeah. i thought was kind of funny and it just, why, it just sets up the new status quo why did it turn spider-man bad like do they they must have addressed that right johnny cates must uh, have said like, uh, he, there was some since, reason because he seems like a pretty decent fellow this symbiote was, now you know i mean from what i remember donny cates didn't have to do anything with that because okay. it was that symbiote was um cured cured during Bendis's run of Guardians of the Galaxy when Flash had it. So gotcha. Flash had the symbiote and it was eating away at him. And what it does is it, it like it exacerbates your your like biggest, anxieties and that kind of thing. Yeah. So like yeah. he had a substance abuse problem and was uh suffering PTSD and it just kind of like amplified that. Gotcha. Um but during the Guardians of the Galaxy run they find the race of symbiotes and okay. and they cure it they fix the symbiote and he's able to do other things with it like create armor and do all kinds of weird huh. shit but that symbiote eventually finds its way back to Brock so it's mm-hmm. it's they fall back into their codependent relationship but it's not a overly destructive codependent relationship right, right. they're just together yeah that makes sense I think um, that's yeah. all right yeah yeah but, but but before I get into spoilers what did you think of this book so I liked it. So I, um, I always thought Venom was cool. And in, on this 200th issue with 200 covers in the back, it feels appropriate to talk about. Like, I remember, you know, I think I had Venom number one was, you know, with the foil cover and whatever. Um, he's one of the few at the time villains who's created well after his hero was created and still manages to make it into like his top group of villains. You know, like Ross Al Ghul is one of the only other ones that I can think of. Um, and yeah, I think he's, I think he's really interesting. And, and so I saw this on the shelf and I was like, it'd be nice to, let's check in with Venom, see what's happening after so long, you know? And there were elements of that that I enjoyed too, where he's like, he's like shaking hands with Spider-Man and Steve Rogers, which is an interesting thing. Having actually read some of his very early lethal protector, you know, comics. He has an open invite to join the Avengers. Yeah. Yeah. Which he refuses. Right. Well, he's very busy, you know, and he's old and he's just a stay at home dad now. He's got a daytime. Um, Yeah, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Oh, one thing I thought. So they make a joke about using good and well, you know, in in different ways. And he's like, I'm a journalist. I you know, I know what it is. And on the preceding page have misused the word omnipotent to what they mean is omniscient. And, And they say omnipotent twice. And then on the next page, make a joke about using the right word. Um, so, uh, he says omnipotent means I know everything audience. That is not so omniscient means that, you know, everything omnipotent means that you are all powerful. Um, which if you like, you could make yourself know everything. If anybody ever asks you which one you want to be, use that information, you know? Uh, all right. Yeah. I think yeah, we just yeah. split a, I, I think we just split a really fine hair when talking about a drooling symbiote monster. Well, no, they're just books. two different words. Oh, no, no, I, I, I know. I, what I'm yeah. saying is like, okay. Oh, yeah. Uh, it's not part of the main plot. It's uh, we, we, That's what I mean. We split a fine yeah. hair. Yeah. yeah, yeah. 
Uh, but he is now omnipresent, he clarifies to Peter Parker, right? Which means he's all over the universe. And he's like, well, that's not exactly true, but it's closer. And that also gives way to, like you hinted at, a cool story point, especially for a 200th issue wrap-up of a run. Yeah. You get to see a lot of different things happening, like all around the universe. He's hanging out, sitting on the Silver Surfer's board. He's helping fix some uh, you know, distant planet because of Null's... Um, disaster it's a shame that null is gone now because I've, I've really come to enjoy mistakenly hearing Noel when people say you know, <laughs> in Noel's wake they <laughs> but yeah. that won't happen anymore unfortunately no i they've they've, <laughs> they've essentially so uh, uh the end of king and black you know you had the uh the uni- universe yeah, captain the? captain universe the, yeah, the, the enigma the, force the enigma force essentially yeah, yeah. kind of uh, imbue venom to mm-hmm. to become like the the hive mind and it really is turning a page and turning him into a potentially cosmic character which is really interesting like it's an alien mm-hmm. and then imbuing it with a cosmic force of some sorts and kind of like changing the status quo of it to be well, more of an omnipresent cosmic character does he still have the enigma force? no no oh, okay, but it right. was what i'm saying is like that's a turning point to kind of oh right, right. him with the ability to become a more omnipresent cosmic character and they, right, right. they essentially lay the groundwork for that in this book of i'm everywhere which I, makes sense given yeah. his origin he's always been a very street level character who's like bonded to an alien symbiote. Yeah. But, yeah. It's 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 weird but it's just weird enough to be fascinating. Yeah. It depends on what they do with it. But what made me cheer hmm. like a giddy schoolgirl in this hmm. book. Uh I, was, how does a giddy schoolgirl cheer, no? Tee hee hee. Ooh. <laughs> yeah. It's uh it's very specific and it's like tee hee hee. Yeah, for sure. Uh but uh so uh, Donny Cates left a dangling plot thread like seven or eight issues ago. Um, and probably more than that, actually. Um, of the Council of Reeds and of the Maker, who's uh, the ultimate yes. universe Reed that is bad and stuff. He's been in the background of this book, potentially even the big bad of this book, uh, all the way up until like issue 25 or something, and then yes. just dropped off because he was able to get back to the ultimate universe. Which is in ruin. Um, and then they haven't talked about it since. It's all been King and Black stuff and blah, blah, blah. But there's but it made sense not to. Like, you didn't realize it was a cliffhanger? Yeah. Kind of thing? I, yeah, yeah. Th- those of us like me that's been reading the book the whole time, I've literally been waiting for, like, when the fuck is oh, right, right. other shoe going to drop? Yeah, yeah. So the shoe drops in this book. Um, you've got Eddie Brock talking to the Avengers warning them of what he thinks is going to happen or what he thinks is coming, which was just like a really cool, like, gosh, this is going to be an event in a year and a half. Uh, When you mentioned things that future writers could pick up, that was what I thought of. Yeah. The idea of he, like you've got this read, this evil Reed Richards who was able to get back to his universe. And I truly believe that um, he is essentially trying to get into the council of reeds, which is, Hmm. Uh, something oh man, I love that Council of Reeds too. Like, but uh-huh. they, but they, you know, and then like you know, they they think of themselves as gods, so they don't really yeah. care so much about who gets hurt or who doesn't. It's all for a greater purpose. So, in order for him to get into the council, mm-hmm. he has to revive his universe, and because yeah, they've all nasty, made their universes like yeah. pretty good, and, because he's yeah. a he's a nasty fuck. Brock believes that he's going to try and do it. 
by actually invading ours and reclaiming it because our read refused admission to the Council yes. of Reeds back in Hickman's run of yeah. Fantastic Four. So this is this is one of those like Donny Cates taking deep mm. uh, references and like he did with the Necro Sword and all kinds mm. of other stuff and Venom's origin and just like reapplying it in fun ways. See, and I wonder was, if that, that would was be so fun. Yeah, yeah, definitely. I wonder now that we're talking about it, is that a, a thing that a future writer of Venom could pick up or a thing that Donny Cates intends to pick up in whatever he's writing next? Uh, I, wonder, I think you know. I think it's too juicy of a thing for Don, like for Donny Cates not to pick yeah, up yeah. because also, too, there was a bunch of rumors about a year ago of him wanting to revive the Ultimate Universe. And this might just be his avenue in order to do it. So oh, that's like, interesting. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, yeah, because it could turn out in a different way. But, oh, yeah, the Council of Reeds. Now, I don't think they would have been cool with destroying a whole universe to get in, but um, well, maybe not I, I that just love so that much. idea. Yeah. If the Council of Reeds have simply asked him, like, we'll let you in if you revive your dying universe. Oh, it's right. up to uh, the maker to figure out how to do that. And right. because he's a he's a garbage person. He's right. going to potentially come up with a garbage way to do it. <laughs> and the Council of Reeds, have, if it was done, might be like, no, that's a horrible thing to do. You can't do or, it. But or, so much as, or so much as, I mean, you did it. Hmm. You're smart. Uh, You're a smart read. Read. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Because again, it's like they're they're driven. They're uh, it was it was a conflict in Hickman's run. The fact that they yeah. were driven only by logic, and oh, the yeah, most yeah. logical thing for them to do was to shed themselves of emotion and their families, hmm. and then they right. were able to actually fix things. So do they have? Yeah. Yeah. That. So <laughs> yeah. so do they have like moral quandaries when it comes to destroying one to An revive the entire universe? Or? No, we'd have to wait and see, know. I suppose. Yeah. yeah. Either way, it was <laughs> yeah. it was really cool. And then, of course, yeah. now we have a new Venom. Uh, Dylan uh, yeah. is now piloting or being mm. piloted. And Flash by... Thompson is around with a distinctive look. Yeah. Then, yeah. That um, was, you know what? That was the only part of the issue that was kind of like, all right. Like, yeah. I did not like <laughs> the art and yeah. did not care about the the conceit of it. Like, yeah, I guess down, like now there's videos. a bunch of different symbiotes that are still on earth that have bonded with people and i assume he will be protecting these bonded entities so. while the guardsmen try to hunt them of, down of and everything also, in this book that was the only thing i didn't give a shit about yeah um i don't i guess flash thompson was already back but i was like oh cool flash thompson's back. yeah they brought him back in venom proper during the yeah. king and black event because he when he died a, a, a very large part of him or uh, oh, his right. conscience was and a part of the back as a as like a okay. white symbiote dragon. Yeah, so he was yes. able to break out of the hive as right, right. Uh, by infecting one of the dragons. Right. And then it was a whole thing of being able to really just reconstitute yourself because you're already now in the physical plane. Yeah. Very stupid yeah. comic book logic, but it yeah, was like, yeah. yeah. Um, um, also, I like the man in the van kind of role for Eddie Brock. It seems like yeah. he is still mentally in connection with Venom and now Dylan. But, they make a good point. The symbiote is not Venom. Venom is the combination of them. And, uh, you know, Dylan wants to hear his name and he's like, I can't, you know, it's an emotional impulse. Oh, that's I mean, a good one. That was cool. That was yeah. a good moment too. This is yeah. a really, this is a really fun book. I, I, when this, when this run is fully collected, it's going to be really great on a shelf. This was a, this is a good 35 issues of this character that I, beforehand I did not give two shits about. Yeah. Indeed. Oh, excellent. Um, uh, Zach Hilton asks, who's excited for Al Ewing's cosmic take on Venom? Looks like the market will be uh, 
the market will be the main protagonist. That's probably not the case, but I assume it's a typo. Uh, Ewing did some great work uh, with him when he was writing New Avengers and U.S. Avengers. Was that like where they had each state, the each state had their own Avengers? Um, I like how Ewing, I can't think of anything in particular that he's written that I like, but I have the idea that I like him. From, uh, Guardians, he was really good. Like he, yeah. um, Guardians, Immortal Hulk. Mm. Yeah, um, you've been, I is, haven't been reading that, but I love the Hulk and I probably should have been reading it. Which is super interesting because essentially these two creators are switching off. So like mm. Donny Cates is taking over Hulk after Ewing oh, leaves and Ewing Ooh. is is taking over um, Venom. But with Ram V as a co-writer. He is um, all over the I place am, these days. To, to answer Zach's question, yeah. I'm not overly excited about it because oh. I don't like the like the the preview art so far. Uh, it's Brian Hitch, yeah. and I really don't like it. The look <laughs> you don't like Brian Hitch? I, not lately. All right. Uh, I really like the, uh, you know, hmm. Ultimates, but I didn't like... His I, no, you know. Let's just go with no. I, right. I've 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 it's, I've not been drawn to it in the last like decade. Right. Fair enough. At all, uh, but also too. I I mean, I don't know. Like it's going to be a cosmic book. We'll wait and see. Uh, I'm I'm very comfortable dipping out mm. at this at issue two hundred, mm. uh, and I'll just wait and see. Mm. Yeah, but Al Ewing has proved me wrong, so we'll see. That's true. You didn't think Immortal Hulk was going to be as good as um, this. And no, I didn't. Uh, yeah. So uh, we got a couple more books on the on the docket, but I got to open the store. And oh. unless you're going to vamp alone, when I if I've got if I've got people here, I can do that for a minute. Yeah, we'll see how uh, it goes. <laughs> so let's uh, very very quickly yeah. let's remind everybody. Oh yes. If you want to contribute to the show, or if you like what we're doing here, Patreon.com/slash Johnny Destructo. Any and every donation is totally helpful. It helps keep the show and the lights on with servers and equipment and uh, et cetera, um, accoutrement, whatever. Yeah, um, any donation is great. And you know what, though? If you can't, that's totally fine because you can help us support us by going to youtube.com slash go. Like, subscribe, hit the bell notification. Let us know that you like what we're doing if you do enjoy what we're doing. Or you know what, if even if you don't, like and subscribe anyway, you know, it's, yeah. it doesn't hurt you. It helps us. Uh, and facebook.com slash cult pop podcasts. Just give us a shout out. Say hello. Um, also, too, if you want to be featured on the show in any way, shape or form, be sure to remember to email us or comment or or ask us questions or join the conversation. To, uh, you comment. could also just join us live every Sunday morning at 1030 a.m. Eastern Standard Time and join the conversation in real time, which a lot of people are doing, and we will feature them on the screen of the show. Yeah. So, yeah. let's talk very quickly about the next two books. Uh, we're going to skip Thunder Rounds, uh, but when it comes to Thunder Rounds, all I can say is, hey, everybody, go read Radiant Black, period. Mm. Um, so, very, very quickly, let's talk about Seven Swords, number one, uh, cool. by Evan Daughtry and Ricardo Matina. Hmm. So, uh, solicitations are as follows. Oh, this is by Aftershock Comics. Uh, a weary and jaded D'Artagnan is drawn into a final conflict with the wicked Cardinal Richelieu. Richelieu? Richelieu. Richelieu? Yeah. Richelieu, yeah. Whose ruthless quest for power has led him to the supernatural. But the last musketeer can't defend these infernal enemies alone. To save the world, he'll need to join forces with seven iconic swashbuckling heroes. Hmm. Don Juan, Captain Blood, Serena de Bergiac, to name a few. Hmm. Seven swords who must overcome their host of differences and work together if they have any hope of thwarting Richelieu's diabolical plans. So, I love the conceit of this book. I think it's like a... 
a funny swashbuckling Avengers in a way with intellectual yeah. property that's like a League of Extraordinary domain. Gentlemen. Yeah, Gentlemen, super yeah. cool idea. In execution, art's Ooh. beautiful. Oh, Story yeah. sucks. Yeah, I hated it. I like. Mm-hmm. The, I was uh, I was, was upset at the first five pages having been wasted. I was like, you you made me read that whole thing, and it was some bullshit test by the cardinal or whatever. There are like what, the. What? Is this <laughs> even, even the characterization is is decent the 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 stakes that are set up is decent it's very much a team coming together kind of thing yeah. but it is so haphazard oh. and there are so many beats that are missed like <clears throat> it's like so I did some after I read the book and felt like very off about it because it's so weird you've got all these great pieces of potential but the way that they're put together just. Mm-hmm doesn't really work for me. I also so I didn't and looked know it that it was the musketeer. Like, I didn't read that solicit. I breezed past the thing. Oh, they, said, called them, they called them D'Artagnan. And I mean, like, no, they do. Sees, yeah. But in the beginning, you see the, the famous picture of all of them. And I was like, oh, how about that? The, the musketeers. And then it felt like I had absolutely no idea what was happening. This is like a some sort of sequel to kind of the, what was in the musketeers. Um, although I think there already was a later sequel so it might be following on the heels of that but yeah the introductions of all the characters was like well who's this <laughs> yeah. yeah yeah it just kept telling me like i'm going to spain i'm going to france i'm going to rome i'm going to spain i'm going back to france i'm going to, like yeah. okay it's just it was i looked it up and the writer is actually a screenwriter who's yeah. uh, done a bunch of things and yes. this then it made sense like this uh, reads like a screenplay where mm-hmm. you know, like they're like a, a, a filmmaker is gonna is going to add in establishing shots and mm-hmm. add in yeah, yeah. Uh, scene setting before we get into the scene. Whereas in comic book form, it's just jumping yeah. Yeah. from piece to piece yeah. without giving me any kind of context or grounding, and it's just such a shatter shot read. Mm-hmm. I I was very <sighs> and that opening like five pages. If it happened in the before the credits of a movie, kind of would be fine. But here, so so D'Artagnan's in this church. He's giving a confession. Stats I don't know he's D'Artagnan at this point. So I'm like, who is this guy stabbing some priest in the eye? You know. And then all of the other monks attack, and you're like, oh, is this some kind of violent order? These are the bad guys, or are they? Yeah. I don't know because I don't know who this character is. Um, and then it turns out that, oh, no, then we take a quick aside so that somebody can ask to have something removed from their face, which I am now piecing together as Cyrano de Bergerac, who has famously has a very long nose. Um, but they don't get into that at all. And then it's just one page in the middle of this fight scene with Sartanian fighting these monks. He gets up to the top where he thinks Richelieu is. And it turns out it's his old captain of the Musketeers who has released a bunch of prisoners for him to kill. You know, keep talking. Okay, um, you know he's released a bunch of prisoners for D'Artagnan to kill to prove that he can do it. And you know, I afterwards I was like, was that there just to have some kind of uh, some kind of action in a story which is mostly not action? And then he, he winds up with he's fighting this this woman who I don't know. She might be the only original character. She might be a pre-existing character. I don't know um, who is like the the right hand person of this 
the you know the modern right hand person of the uh, the the captain of the musketeers, and she is you know also part of the test. And there's this sword that might be demonic in nature that's certainly hinted at at the end, but whether it is or not, I don't know. Eh. This was this was but yeah. All right, like I, so. Um, I've said before, I've, I've mentioned before in conversation, it's almost more upsetting when something is mediocre mm-hmm. than when it's just bad. Yeah. When it's just bad. You could see all this, all the seams and the places that it's missed because this is so aggressively mediocre. Yeah. It almost, it almost like kicks my ire up a little bit more yeah. because there's <laughs> so much good that stuff in here. Hmm. And I can't, <clears throat> I can't say enough how good this art is. This is like, yeah, this is like a, only a notch or two under Dan Mora. The action, the the pacing, the uh, the panel layout, the art is so good that it even makes me more upset <laughs> that the, the, the story itself is just mediocre. Yeah. Um, yeah, I have really no interest in, in reading more of this. No. Um, and also, too, like we don't we very often don't. We don't pick books to poop on them. No. But this was such a fascinating example of like, ah, like I also thought eight of the swords, nine yards, like the title seven swords, which they make sure to put in quotes in the, in the, which is not the guy who wrote the comics probably did not write that copy for the, for the upcoming issue. But you know, they're referring to these people who wield swords well as swords and that's fine. But I saw the book and I'm like, Oh, what's this story about seven swords? That sounds interesting. Are they mystical swords? What's the deal? Except for one of them, no. <laughs> just <laughs> this metaphor. <laughs> or synecdoche, actually. Um, uh, I I have to go. Okay, fair enough. Um, yeah, so um, I'm going gonna, I'm gonna to go on mute. You're going to close the show, and okay. then we'll talk. And I can't actually end the show. So You're going to just... close the show, so start talking. Okay. Uh, all right. Um, while Noel is gone... I am going to give you a quick rundown. I thought Berserker was very good. Um, I read two and three at the same time. Well, not at the same time. One right after the other. Three was after two. And, um, you know, it's a, it's a well-drawn, well-executed uh, art. And I like stories about things that happened in ancient times. And if, if they stretch into modern times, that's interesting, too. We get a little more... Uh, a little more backstory about who this guy is and what his deal is, uh, this berserker. Um, and it has been optioned for a Netflix thing. So I'm interested in that as well. Uh, yeah, it's, um, it's a good story. It's, it's getting like it, I I wonder how much they, how deep it will get, but it could get pretty deep. And there's, uh, they explore the possibility that aliens are responsible that were thought of as gods um, to the ancient to the ancient people of eighty thousand years ago, um, so I'm curious to see how we'll go. Anyway, thanks for joining us. I am me. Thanks for staying with me to the end of the show. Um, uh, we'll be around next Tuesday. Now they do a book club, a movie club on Tuesday, which you should look into if you're interested in that kind of thing. It's happening over Zoom, eight o'clock Tuesday nights. Go on JD Zero Complex Book Club to find that out. Uh, we'll be here probably next Sunday. At 10.30 a.m. We're talking about doing an evening show uh, at some point, as we have done a couple of times in the past. We had so much fun doing it. We wanted to do it more times because we enjoy doing things that we find fun. 
Um, so stay tuned for exactly when that will be. Uh, we'll be having some drinks and talking about some comic-related things, maybe involving the time of year that it is, maybe not. Anyway, uh, find me at brianleavedesign.com. Email me at brianleavedesign at gmail.com. And uh, here's Noel again. Wonderful Thank you time. for joining us. Come back uh, next week. Uh, join us. Uh, just like go on the social medias and stuff. But we, uh, we'll see you guys later. Thank you. Bye. Uh-huh. Thanks so much for listening to Spoiler Alert. Check out all our shows, including the Cannibal Horrorcast, where we review classic and contemporary horror. Oh, it's so spooky! And Gutter Talk with the Black Tribbles, recorded live every week at Johnny Destructo's Hero Complex in Nanyang, PA. 